Last month, tens of thousands of Twitter accounts attacked J.K. Rowling. They tried to get her books pulled from publication. Uh, her books were burned in the street, and people promised to never read one of her books again. This was perhaps the fourth time this has happened to Rowling in the last few years. There's nothing new under the sun, and book burning is a time-honored practice by angry mobs. Uh, this is not the first time people have burned Harry Potter books, and I doubt it will be the last. Uh, if you are a published author, cancel culture is not just something you hear about on TV or study about in history books. It is back, and it is something that can come for you, regardless of where you are on the political continuum. Some authors have even faced backlash for silence. So staying out of politics is no longer the defense it used to be. So what do you do? Well, that's what we're going to talk about in this episode of Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build a cancel-proof platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. I'm your host, the CEO of Author Media and book marketing Vulcan, Tom Sumstead Jr., and today we're going to tackle a difficult topic, but a necessary one, especially if you're trying to make your writing your career. And this is a topic that a lot of people are wondering about, including listener Jennifer, who asks, Hi, Thomas. I'd love to hear your take on the current cancel culture. No longer satisfied with leaving a negative review, some people want to see works banned entirely. This seems to be happening all around, from the blockbuster musical Hamilton to indie authors who've canceled publication of their own books and made profuse apologies in the wake of attacks on their content and their character. Are some genres more vulnerable to offending the cancel culture than others? What can authors do to avoid and or respond to such vicious attacks? Thanks. Great question, Jennifer, and let's jump into how to handle cancel culture. First, we're going to talk about general strategies, and then we're going to get into some technical specifics. So the first strategy for cancel-proofing your author platform is to don't be a jerk. Those who live to cancel others will themselves be canceled. The people using the guillotine at the beginning of the French Revolution were the ones who died by the guillotine halfway through. And those uh, pulling the lever halfway through were the ones who smelled the, quote, whiff of grape shot that Napoleon used uh, to basically kill all of the protesters or many of the protesters in Paris. Uh, this same kind of spirit of revolution is in the air again, and we can learn from history. And so don't be so quick to try to cancel others, because what goes around comes around. Sure, getting someone fired might make you feel virtuous, but it won't change that person's heart. It won't make them think a different way or like you better or agree with you better. In fact, it will do just the opposite. Uh, judge not lest you be judged, but because that same standard that you use to judge others will be the standard used to judge you. And the more people you cancel, the more enemies you create, and the more people who will want to cancel you right back. There's a lot to be said about living in peace with people you disagree with. Someone doesn't have to agree with you on every point in order to be your friend. And learning how to disagree agreeably is so important for a healthy society. A society where people are able to live at peace with each other and are not seeking to harm each other, whether by taking away their freedom, taking away their job, or even taking away their life, if it comes to that. Let's hope that it doesn't. 
Another part of this strategy of not being a jerk is picking your readers. And let me explain what I mean by this. These days, people expect their celebrities to abide by the same moral code they do themselves. And the challenge is that there are multiple moral codes out in society, right? Some of those moral systems are even at odds on some points. And so when you pick a group of target readers, you're also picking a moral system to abide by. And what is true with morality is also true with politics. More and more readers are expecting the authors they read to share their politics. If you're targeting readers in China, don't say anything bad about the Chinese Communist Party. If you're targeting Christians, follow the Christian sexual ethic in your books and in your personal life. If you're targeting environmentalists, don't post a photo of you hunting lions. If you target vegans, don't show a picture of you eating a hamburger. Each year, Republicans and Democrats are reading more and more different books from each other. Republicans did not read White Fragility, and Democrats did not read The Right Side of History. And it's not just with nonfiction. There was big drama a couple years ago with the Hugo Awards between left and right-leaning sci-fi authors. And so this kind of split in what people are reading is really important to understand when you're picking your readers. So what should you do? You should pick a group of readers who live by the rules you can live with yourself. If you are hiding who you are, if you're secretly a Christian or secretly a Democrat, uh, that will make things difficult for you or secretly Republican. I'm trying, trying to be even handed here. Um, or so you want to pick a group of people who accept you the way you are, not a group of people who you're afraid will find out the true you. If you do that, you're making life harder on yourself. So be who you are in target readers who accept who you are. Another part of uh, not being a jerk is to not apologize to trolls. Don't apologize to trolls. Uh, the purpose of an apology is to restore a broken relationship. If there was no relationship to restore, an apology will only harm the one apologizing. It's like apologizing to someone who is abusing you, hoping it will make them stop hurting you. They hurt you because of who they are, not because of anything you do or do not do. A common mistake I see authors make is when there's a misunderstanding, they use an apology as a way of clarifying what they meant. This is a bad idea. Internet trolls misunderstand because they want to misunderstand. And feeding them an apology just causes them to stick around. Don't feed the trolls. Trolls don't care about you. They are in pain and they want ways to inflict pain on others. And once you apologize to them, you are telling them that they can hurt you and they will come back to do it again. Apologizing to online trolls is like throwing money to looters. It just makes them more excited and it makes them want more. There's a whole genre of apology critique videos on YouTube where people break down the apology videos of others and criticize them for not being sincere enough. In general, apologies backfire. So don't do it. It won't accomplish what you want it to accomplish. And what I recommend instead of apologizing is to go on vacation. Online firestorms don't last for more than a month. Typically, they don't last for more than a couple of days. Trolls are always hungry for fresh pain from fresh people. And so if you ignore what is going on, most people will forget all about the firestorm a month later. And I know this from personal experience. I have been in the midst of firestorms back in the day, and now no one remembers <laughs> these things don't last. You can't remember who was being canceled last year. 
and you probably can't remember who was being canceled last month. It's because this is very vapid. It comes and then it goes. Uh, a cancel push is like flatulence. It's very painful in the moment or it's awkward in the moment, but it doesn't last. Now, another aspect of not being a jerk is to pick your enemies. So these days, uh, you're known as much for what you are against as what you are for. And your enemies are often more loyal than your friends. You can always trust your enemy to stay your enemy. You can't always trust your friends to stay your friends. Boycotts only work by people who are already giving you money. If you write a book about how terrible the New York Jets sports ball team is and Jets fans boycott you, it won't hurt you because they were not your target audience. They were never going to buy a book about why their sports team was bad. Someone who is not buying your books continuing to not buy your books doesn't hurt you. In fact, if they buy your book to burn a copy of it, that will boost book sales because you have to buy a copy to burn a copy. <laughs> so that said, uh, the trend now is not just to boycott authors, but to deplatform them. This means getting you kicked off of social media or any other website you use to get the word out about your books or to make money. And deplatforming is a very real threat, and it can come from outside of your community. So maybe you're not a jerk. You have an audience of people who like the books that you write and like what you have to say, but some different audience who disagrees with you or doesn't like you for whatever reason wants to harm you. The way they will do it is by trying to disconnect your connection with the people who do like what you have to say. So the strategy here is to own your own platform. So strategy number one, don't be a jerk. Strategy two, own your own platform. When you share crop on somebody else's platform, they become your master. They can dictate what you can and can't say, do and not do. The major social networks can ban or shadow ban you at any time for any reason, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Facebook, Twitter, and Google are the landlords, and you are the lonely tenant. You have no rights on digital land you don't own. And if you're going to share crop on their land, you'd better mind the rules, listen to the master, and keep up as those rules constantly change. And even if you're not breaking any rules, if enough trolls can loudly enough call for you to get kicked off, the social networks may comply. This is why it is so important for you to own your own platform so that you are not at the mercy of these corporations who won't talk to you, who don't know you, and don't care about you. So what does that mean? Well, the first perhaps most important part of owning your own platform is owning your own wordpress.org website. The World Wide Web was built by free speech idealists and the structure of the internet is such that it's nearly impossible to cancel someone's website, especially if it's running on wordpress.org. Uh, what makes wordpress.org so special and so much better than wordpress.com is that it is open source software. So nobody owns it and you can put it on your own server and you can't. So it's like owning your own tractor and owning the, your own land to grow your own crops. You didn't invent the tractor. WordPress.org is like a free tractor that you put on your own land. If your web host kicks you off, there are thousands of other hosts you can move to. And because of this, almost no one gets kicked off of WordPress.org hosting, right, at the demands of a mob. Because the mob knows it won't cause the website to go down, and the web host knows it will just cause their money to go away. 
This is the downside of Wix, Squarespace, and Weebly. If they kicked you off, you have to start more or less from scratch because the only place you can have a Wix website is on Wix.com. The only place you can have a Squarespace website is on Squarespace.com. And if they delete your website, your website is deleted. Not so with WordPress.org. You can easily pick up and move from one host to another, especially if you built the website yourself. In fact, you probably have, if you built the website yourself, backups sitting in your inbox that you can very easily restore on any other web host. And if you're curious on how to build a WordPress.org website, I have a free course on how to build your own WordPress website, uh, and I'll have a link to that free course in the show notes. Another uh, part of your platform that you want to own yourself is own your own podcast. Podcasting is the last of the Web 1.0 technologies. It is based on open standards, and there is no company that controls it. Podcasters have full control over what they create, and listeners have full control over what they listen to. There is no corporate bridge for the trolls to hide under and deplatform you from. Spotify is trying to change this by taking over the podcasting space and controlling all aspects, but they have not done this. And until they do, podcasting will remain a bastion of free speech on the internet. The worst thing that can happen to your podcast is that it gets delisted from the podcast directories like Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. But even if you are delisted, you are not deplatformed. Your listeners can still subscribe and they can still listen to new episodes. They just have to go to your website to find the link. Another part of your platform that you should own yourself is to own your own blog. Now, blogs are run on the same technology as podcasts, and no one can cancel your blog as long as it runs on your own WordPress.org website. Now, this is why I don't recommend that you use WordPress.com, Wix, Squarespace, Blogger, Tumblr, or any of the other free blogging platforms out there. If you're not paying for it, you have no rights. In fact, if you're not paying for it, you're not even the customer. You're the product that's being sold. And that is not a good place to be. Sure, the rent is free for the chickens in the slaughterhouse, but that doesn't mean the slaughterhouse is a good place for the chickens. If you train your readers to hear from you on a certain day on your WordPress.org blog, you can have an almost impenetrable connection with them. No one can stop them from going to your blog and no one can stop you from writing new blog posts. It is pure freedom of the press, just like in the olden days when you could print whatever you wanted. True freedom. I realize freedom scares people, but freedom, I think, is worth defending. Uh, Another part of owning your own platform is owning your financial platform, and this means diversifying your income. A popular tactic with cancel culture right now is to get someone fired from their day job. If you get all your money from the corporation you work for, that corporation has a lot of control over your personal life. And nowadays, many corporations don't just want to control your behavior while you're on the clock. They also want to control your behavior during the rest of the day. They might even fire you for something you did before you worked for the corporation. So from a certain perspective, they want to control your entire life past and present. It's not uncommon for young people to be told, don't do something, because if you do it, corporations later may not give you a job. The theoretical future corporation you don't even work for yet is already exerting influence and control over your life today. If a mob of angry tolls demands that you get fired because of something you did or said outside of work, 
many corporations will comply with the trolls and it's easier to fire you even if it turns out later that you did nothing wrong and i've seen many instances of this where when the whole story comes out the employee did nothing wrong and yet they still got fired because the uh, corporation is more afraid of the trolls than they are loyal to their own employees the more diversified your income stream is the harder it is to cancel you financially. Part of the reason I have the courage to talk about cancel culture is because I have over a dozen different income streams and there's no one corporation that can turn off the spigot. And even if people tried to cancel me, it would be hard for them to do it because I follow all of the things I do here. I have a direct relationship with my listeners on platforms that I own and I make money through many different income streams. Uh, and diversifying your income is also helpful during hard economic times. Right? You may work for a corporation that doesn't care what you do uh, off the clock, but if all your sustenance comes from just that one company, what happens when that company comes on hard times due to no fault of your own? Another aspect of this is to have a direct connection with your readers. So, so far, Amazon has not participated much in cancel culture. Uh, in general, they don't cancel books or delist books based off of the content of those books. But this could change at any time. And if it did, you would be powerless to stop it. It's why it is important for you to be able to communicate directly with your readers in case Amazon changes course and started their own version of book burning. Hopefully they will never do it. But if they do, the authors with strong email lists, strong blogs, and strong podcasts will survive while the authors who do not have those things and who depend on Amazon to get the word out about their books, those authors overly dependent on Amazon will be the ones who do not survive the storm. Uh, another way cancel culture goes after podcasts and bloggers is by getting their advertisers to pull back from advertising with the podcast or blog. And this is why being listener supported is so beneficial. The easiest way to do this is through Patreon.com. That said, Patreon is a little trigger happy when it comes to canceling creators. So while Amazon is not trigger happy, Patreon is very trigger happy. And this is why I have already purchased the software to recreate what I have on patreon.com on my wordpress.org website on authormedia.com. So that's another advantage of wordpress.org is that not only do you own it, but it's incredibly powerful and you can with simple plugins that you buy recreate the functionality of big platforms like patreon.com and you become less vulnerable to mobs of angry trolls coming for your blood. I also have the email addresses of all of my patrons, so I can email them directly and ask them to sign up for the new site. So I'm all ready to go if Patreon were to try to cancel me. Now, not all of my patrons would move, right? Because it's a hassle to sign up for a new service. And so my hope is that I won't have to do this, and I do plan to stay on Patreon uh, for the foreseeable future. But this is the kind of thinking that you have to do now in 2020, because you never know when the trolls will come for you and take something you said 10 years ago out of context and repeat it a million times with all of their sock puppet bot accounts. <laughs> so uh, the third strategy, uh, we talked about not being a jerk. We talked about owning your own platform. The third strategy is to stand your ground. Uh, believe it or not, the cancel culture troll mob is actually pretty small. Most people on the internet are not trolls, and they're not going around trying to take away other people's money. The mob seems big because they all speak together, but in reality, it's just a tiny percentage of humans and an army of sot puppet bot accounts. 
So one person with 10 Twitter accounts can sound and speak with the voice of 10 when in reality it's just one human. And there are humans who have hundreds and thousands of Twitter accounts that they control. So they're able to sound a lot louder than they really are. Trolls feed on fear. And if you refuse to give in to fear, they will get hungry and move on. (laughs) This is why you don't feed the trolls. And trolls can't cancel you without your permission. Let me say that again because this is so important. Trolls can't cancel you without your permission. If you're willing to stand your ground, they will go on to bully someone else. So back to the J.K. Rowling story. She follows most of what I've been talking about in this post. While she doesn't have a podcast, she does have her own WordPress.org website and blog where she can talk directly to her readers without any interference or fear of being deplatformed. And she refused to apologize, and she stood her ground. And the result of the most recent troll attack is that her sales went up. As I record this, J.K. Rowling has the number two, number three, number four, and number five most read books on Amazon this week. She also has the number 17 best-selling book on all of Amazon. And this is for a book that first came out 22 years ago. All of the books above her on the list are much, much newer. So the result of her getting canceled is that her books have had new life breathed into them. New interest is being given to the Harry Potter books and more money is coming her way because she stood her ground. J.K. Rowling refused to apologize. She stood her ground. And if you stand up to the trolls, the regular humans will flock to support you. Rowling is seeing a sales spike every time she gets canceled. And you may just see the same if you are willing to have the courage to stand up and not be bullied by the trolls. After all, to burn a book, people must first buy the book. And so don't apologize and don't feel bad if people are burning your book in the streets. It's really good for marketing. Our sponsor today is the Seven Secrets of Amazing Author Websites course. This is a free course that I created. It talks about the steps, exactly how to build a website. In fact, many authors have gone through this and have built their own website. Even authors who you would think were too old to build their own website are going through this course and they're finding it so easy to build it themselves. And now they feel empowered that they can build a website themselves and they don't have to pay somebody else to do it. And they don't have to ask someone else to help them update their website. And uh, it not only talks about the fundamentals of how to build a website, but also how to make the website interesting for your readers, what your readers are looking for in your website and how to thrill them. And the best part, of course, is that it is free. You can sign up with only your email address at authormedia.com. We also have a link to it in the show notes. And our featured patron today is Jody Lee Stewart, author of Triumph, a novel of the human spirit. While in bustling New Orleans, a former Texas Ranger has an encounter with a young beauty. What she wants will change his life forever. So Jody Lee Stewart, thank you so much for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast. Uh, It is patrons like you that help keep this podcast on the air, who help keep me doing what I'm doing. I could not do this without you. And if you are interested in becoming a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, I'll have a link in the show notes. Patrons get a bonus episode every month, as well as exclusive discounts and a lot of other really cool Uh, benefits. And if you can't afford to be a patron, but you still want to help the show, you can. Just share this episode on a Facebook group of authors. I imagine it will lead to an interesting conversation. 
My son Tommy has recently started eating solid food, or at least trying to eat solid food, and it's been interesting watching him do this. So I'm this technology person, and I'm watching a tiny human being encounter his first new technology in his life. So all of Tommy's life, he has brought in nutrients to his mouth uh, by sucking on a bottle, and that is how he eats, and that's in his mind how eating is done, uh, or, or nursing. And now he has this entirely different way of eating, which is baby food on a tiny spoon. And it was interesting because at first he approached the spoon the same way he would approach a bottle, trying to suck on the spoon. And the result was that about 80% of the baby food would end up on his face. <laughs> and it's been interesting as he's starting to get used to the spoon and realizing that the techniques that he used uh, for the old technology don't work very well for the new technology. Sure, sucking on a spoon or trying to suck on a spoon gets you a little bit of food, but engaging it in its own way, opening up your mouth big enough <laughs> to be able to get the sp- for mommy or daddy to get the spoon in your mouth, which is bad for a bottle, but very useful for eating solid food. And it makes me think of, you know, authors embracing new technology. Often when there's a new technology that's coming out, we want to use it in the same way we used the old technology. And it's still better, right? Tommy's still getting nutrients and solid food uh, by using the spoon incorrectly. But now as he's, you know, gotten a few weeks of experience and is better at eating solid food, he's able to eat much faster. He's able to get much happier. And mommy and daddy have less of a mess (laughs) to clean up afterwards. So as you're looking at new technologies, ask yourself, am I using this new technology in the new way or am I still trying to use my old way of thinking when embracing it? And I, and just think of that baby. Think of that spoon and, and ask, am I trying to suck on this spoon? Maybe there is a better way. You've been listening to Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast. To find the blog version of this episode and to get new episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit novelmarketing.com. Thank you for listening and live long and prosper.